Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Mr. Benja. BenjaCon 3 is still going on, BenjaCon 2022. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for being here through all of these. Once again, we are going through a week long of awesome interviews with awesome people. Today, we have Paul Ekdow of Thumbprint Gallery coming through. He's going to talk with us about some of the things he's been seeing on the art scene, how creativity and community comes together. And we've known each other for quite a while. I kind of got my really, my professional art, you know, feet wet in, in San Diego, along with the help of Paul and Johnny who will miss a little bit later. They both work together, but we're going to go ahead and get him on here real quick. Not going to delay too much on this one because today is a double header and there's a lot to get through. So let's go ahead and try to get him on right here. And we're going to make this thing. And don't forget to subscribe on uh, Apple, whatever other platform you got. And we'll make it happen. What's going on, Paul? What's up, Benja? Not much, man. I'm I'm starting at like 401, 402 this time because you know I'm I'm getting all my stuff together and I couldn't find the pen I wanted to jot notes with. And little something like that annoys me when I'm doing these things. So we got it together now. We're here. We're good. And they got my parking. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got a little Hoya parking out there, right? Yeah, crazy. Jeez. So, uh, how have you been, man? Just in general, I haven't really uh, sat down and talked to you in a while. We used to do the the meetups in LA or San Diego here and there, but uh, how things been? Lately, uh, pretty busy. Yeah. Right. As I told you before, you know, I'm starting this new job, still, you know, on top of the gallery stuff, but uh, I also do a little social marketing, media marketing on the side. So, it's all over the place, but uh, trying to, you know, chill out a bit so I could like focus a little bit better. Okay. Focus on what then? Oh, it just like with the gallery, you know, cause I mean, we're still doing our offsite show and, you know, we booked the rest of uh, the year already mm -hmm. and are trying to book for next year. So try not to drop the ball, you know, with certain things with that, but uh, yeah. So. All right. Very cool. Really, really quickly. I, I know we know each other. But for the people who are just checking you in for the first time, let them know just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Paul Ekdow, I'm co-owner of Thumbprint Gallery. My business partner is Johnny Tran, who you've interviewed in the past. And I listened to that podcast. That was uh, the good one. So I, I recently started a new job in with the healthcare center, doing marketing. I mean, I don't mind mentioning my previous job. So I did, you know, I was working at T-Shirt Mart. With, you know, it was like, like a hybrid role. Uh, okay. A little bit of operations and HR. So it's kind of busy <laughs> managing four stores. And yeah, I do, like I mentioned, I, I do a little social media marketing on the side. So for a couple of restaurants. Okay. How long, how long have you been doing that? Past couple of years, like right when the pandemic started, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Definitely a lot of people and the groups needed that because they really didn't know how to get out there and do the social media thing. So. Yeah, one of the restaurants I started out with, they were about to close and, you know, I kind of swooped in there in time and helped them out. So that was good. Did, it, did, did you kind of plan on that or how did that, that fall into uh, what you were doing? It's actually one of my cousins who I've been, you know, I kind of, he started his restaurant the same time when we started the gallery, actually. And, you know, I haven't linked up with him in a long time. And, you know, I was just checking in on him and uh, yeah, I, I wanted to see how I could help out, you know, not just with art, because we display some art over there too at his restaurant. And I was like, I became like a one-stop shop because like, 
you know, I revamped their website, helped them out with their uniforms through t-shirt mark, you know, again, hung some art in there. So, you know, just every angle trying to help them out. So it worked. That's awesome, man. You were definitely a, 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 an interesting person to pin down. I don't think you've ever, heard, I don't think you've ever heard me say it, but you're always like the most interesting guy at the art show. I'm curious. Why, why do you think? <laughs> Between the random facts, the, you know, Hey, did you know you could do this kind of thing? Just random connections with people, you know, like little iPhone tricks or whatever. Oh yeah. I'm all... had the... <laughs> exactly. You just always had these random things going on. And I'm yeah. sitting there watching you like, huh, I, I need some of this action. And, you know, when I go to art shows and everything, I'm just kind of creeping around people, seeing what they're looking at. And yeah, weird out there. <laughs> definitely. So, yeah, Thumbprint Gallery, how, that's been going on for how many years now? We just celebrated our 13th anniversary. So 13th. Congratulations. I was going to say 12. I was off a year. All right. Thank you. Yeah. How did how did that whole thing of you know, co-owning Thumbprint Gallery kind of start. The, there's, I, I mean, we don't have to go through the whole story. I just kind of want to know how that got started, how you got into the arts, basically, and, you know, how you're here 13 years later. Oh, sure. So I kind of met Johnny doing an art show. Like I was already kind of curating my own shows and he was doing that through Bar Basic and other clubs. So I came up kind of, you know, doing a whole street art graffiti thing, as you know. Mm -hmm kind of built up a network doing that, you know, some built up some relationships and connections. Yeah. Now, um, when you say, you know, doing art shows, are you doing them as an artist or as a curator oh. coordinator? Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, as I was like meeting people, I would like, you know, ask them like, Hey, you want to do an art show here? So I kind of take over organizing it and whatnot. So yeah. And when I met Johnny doing one of my first shows, I was like, you know, we're kind of doing the same thing, but you should link up and do something together. So I kind of joined forces and we were, we started the gallery out of the space in North Park called, at the time it was called 18 Center. And we, we rented out the, the back space, which was pretty big and did a few shows there. We were there for a few months and then eventually moved out and got our own space just down the street. Uh, and it was like a little house deal. I was like divvied up into like three spaces. And so that's where we had those little house parties, right? Right, right. The, the, the driveway. <laughs> yeah. And then after, so about two years in North Park and then, yeah, made our way to La Jolla. So with, the, you know, coming from North Park to La Jolla, you said a driveway. That doesn't sound like a... That, that's, <laughs> That doesn't sound like a La Jolla kind of thing. So how did, how did that transfer happen? Because it sounds like, you know, you're talking uh, graffiti, kind of working out of a driveway. I don't know. I didn't meet you guys until La Jolla. So I'm wondering how that, how that transition happened. I mean, cause that seems like a pretty impressive jump actually. Well, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, so two years into it, it all started with an email, a random email. So Turned out to be, you know, at first you get these kind of emails, you think it's spam, right? And so, mm -hmm. but something is telling me this, this might be real. I don't know what it was, but I was like, we got to hold on to this. Like Johnny was like, no, you know, even the artists who was, uh, they were inquiring about was like kind of skeptical, but I was like, no, we gotta, we gotta do something with this, with, you know, what can go wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was in some prints, uh, you know, trying to ask for money or whatever. So basically it was, uh, uh like a random millionaire in Utah, they sent us this email. Well, I'll just 
to the assistant. Yeah, that sounds like a scam already. Right. And uh, and they were asking about an artist who he worked with. And this artist, we, we gave him a solo show while we were still over at that 18 center spot, mm-hmm. and which is now Queen Bees. And I guess, you know, what their experience was, was that guy that, I don't know if I can't remember his name, but he lives in Utah, but he would visit San Diego and he had a yacht. He has a yacht, maybe, I don't know, still here in San Diego. And while they were like, you know, floating by on their yacht, they saw the sculpture on the harbor. And I guess, you know, he asked the assistant to look into who, was, who the artist was and everything. And I guess contacted us because his name was listed on our website and I guess made it feel more like we validated him in a way. Okay. And yeah, so he basically brokered that whole deal with just a couple of emails, right? So the build up to it was kind of fun and interesting. So they requested to meet with this art, with the artist, and uh, he specialized in sculpture. And, uh, and to, to get through like the design and everything, they invited him to Utah, right? Okay. And yeah, to kind of see the site and everything where they would install these huge sculptures because they were requesting two huge bamboo tree sculptures. And uh, it would have to be shipped there in pieces and he would have to fly over there and assemble it on site. And yeah, it was a big operation. And so, so the whole thing about wanting to believe this is real was, I think it was real for us when, when it came to flying the artist to Utah. They paid for his tickets. They picked, you know, it all paid for. And then when he got there, it was funny. You know, he was like the tree guy to them. <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, in order for him to know where to drive, you know, to the to the state mm-hmm. on the airport, he, we had, we needed an address, right? So, uh, you know, we Google mapped this address and from the satellite view or whatever, we're like, wow, this, this guy's got like a huge property with like, uh, you know, tennis courts in, in the back and it was insane. And, you know, it was meeting with Johnny and myself and the artist and, and we we're like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta figure out how we're gonna fight this work. <laughs> and uh, so it, it, the fun part was, uh, or the crazy part was uh, when it came to negotiating the, the price of the, the, the sculptures. And so we, the, the artist was in person with the, with the, with the client and mm-hmm. on the, with, with us while we're negotiating the price. And, you know, we had this game plan of like, we're going to throw out this huge number. They're going to counter. And then I didn't expect the artist to counter again, but he did it and then locked it. So, you know, we threw out a, like a six figure number mm-hmm. <laughs> and they got it down to five figures, which, which was still good. And, uh, you know, and then I'll spare the details on like this, okay. I mean, it's not too crazy, but like they, when they were designing the whole thing, the, the, the client would be in San Diego on his yacht, invite the artist onto the yacht. And then they would just like sketch on the yacht. And I'm like, where's my yeah. invite? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after all was that, I think it was just a matter of like two or three emails and we closed the deal. And, uh, you know, being two years into the whole gallery thing, art dealer thing, it was like, it was crazy for us, you know? And the commission we earned on that, that's how we got to La Jolla. And the reason why I moved to La Jolla is because although we were in North Park, most of our collectors were coming out of like Solana Beach and, and La Jolla. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. 
Yeah, I never knew exactly how that transition happened. So in all our discussions, it just kind of happened in my head and I never inquired about it. That's awesome. Yeah, and I wonder about, you know, I, I used to have this question and I, I suppose a lot of other people might also, is why wouldn't someone just contact the artists themselves and, you know, and be done with it? Why doesn't that happen? I think it, it, it happens more now because, especially because of social media, right? Okay. Uh, more directed consumer and all that. But I mean, coming the other way, right? You, you're trying to commission an artist. I think especially at that time, galleries like validated the artist in a lot of ways, meaning, you know, it's like almost like a third party validation, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you, you look up, you know, that who they've worked with, things like that, who they have relationships with, and that kind of gives them more security. And especially when you're dealing with like a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. No, I, uh, when I first got started and I, I ran into you guys, that was at one of the, uh, what was it with the, not bar basic, but it was down the way at the industry showroom. You were right. It was a, one of the animal shows, I think. Uh, yeah. Power animal show. Yeah. It was a power animal show. And that's where I first started working with you guys. And right. I was kind of like, okay, this is how gallery operators kind of go about their business and kind of do their thing. So it opened my eyes up to a lot of different ideas. And I think talking with, you know, you and Johnny a lot, you know, started giving me more ideas about marketing, strengthening what I'm doing, trying to build a, a more proper base than just sitting around, you know, in my, in my studio, my garage, you know, in my driveway or whatever, just doing, you know, whatever I think is art. Look at inside. So no, I totally, I, I totally appreciate you guys for that. Just wanted to make sure I put that out there. I don't know how many art artists that, you know, really understand and respect that, but it seems like it's a constant kind of education and collaboration with artists to try to keep them in the scene and on the marketing and business side, right? Yeah. Especially, you know, with the pandemic going on, just being motivated and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, you want to be adaptable. Uh, especially like, you know, especially with like recession stuff, right? Uh, yeah. And, you know, like I, I could sense it, like I could feel a little bit like, especially during the pandemic, like you want to, you know, artists are just like wanting to express themselves all the time and, and just find those outlets, you know? So that's why I'm like happy to help provide, you know, those opportunities to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's definitely solid. And like, speaking of uh, the recession, how has art been doing in the recession in general? I think, well, I just think it's a struggle to understand how to, was well, like the business side of it, right? Because there are a lot, there's plenty of artists out there. It's just understanding the, the business of it that will, you know, especially trying to make a living off of it, right? Just understanding the basics. And I mean, that's the stuff that they're not really teaching too much of it in art school, right? How to, you know, make a sustainable career out of it, which is changing, which is good. And, you know, especially with all the resources now, free resources, it's just having the right perspective with it. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had some funny stories with pricing the artwork and, you know, things like that. The, you know, people are just chasing status and whatnot. But so, so yeah, it's, and I'm, I be, you know, over the years, I'm trying to be less preachy with it. <laughs> okay. 
but, but you know, I only mean to empower and educate with that stuff. Yeah. I mean, recording this incident, we had, you know, you know, Victor, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he had a funny, we had a funny experience at one of our pop-up shows where, you know, they would ask us or they were asking Vic, you know, about pricing work. And then a lot of times, sometimes artists can't separate themselves from the work and look at it objectively, you know, and would it worth in the marketplace and things like that. So then when they were asking Vic how much they should price their work, you know, he was trying to be gracious and, you know, actually give them some benefit of the doubt. And, you know, whatever price he gave, they were insulted, right? They, and so I just by probably like doubling the price or whatever. It's like, no, how dare you? <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, things like that is it's just looking at it more objectively and being pragmatic about it. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. I think very, very recently, and I haven't been in the art scene, like in the art scene in a, in a couple of years. And I have a reason for that. But when I was, I was at my last little art presentation showcase at a, an art fair and I started, I, I decided to start doing a, Hey, what you want kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So I I would talk to the person and say, they'll say, Hey, you know, how much for this? And I was like, Hmm. And we just started getting into a conversation, but I never actually answered the question. And then at some point early on, after I'd gotten some information, I would say, well, what would you like to pay? And, you know, that kind of stopped them. And then they get kind of, uh, well, you know, I don't, I want to pay for what it's worth. And I'm like, no, no, no. If, it, if it's not the right price, you know, we'll find you another painting or whatever. And interesting, it, it's worked out. Like I'll, I'll start at, a, I'll start at a dollar amount and say, okay, how much are you trying to, you know, spend on art or whatever? I won't say it like flatly like that, but I'll basically ask how much do you want to spend on art? What are you trying to use it for? And so I'll find out if they're in the low hundreds, the high hundreds, you know, thousands or whatever. And you just kind of poke around and find out. And then at some point I'm like, you know what I could do? I have a painting that I haven't finished at home. It looks like this. And I'll send them maybe a sketch or something or a mock-up or if it's partially done and I have a picture of it, I'll send them that. And then we'll just kind of talk through it and say, well, I could finish this up. You give me X amount of dollars and we'll make it a thing. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. And that worked very well for a lot of my smaller paintings. Cause you remember I started going smaller at some point. Yeah. I remember yeah. that when you were doing shows in South Park, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Forget the name of that venue, but I remember that show. Yeah. There was the, there was the ice cream show. Mm -hmm. That was one of them. And, but yeah, I started going smaller and using the bigger pieces for other purposes, I guess. Different types good, of shoes. Right. They make what? Good price anchors. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anchor high, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Definitely. Bring that stuff from Sipu Dan. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Right. I, oh, I've forgotten all about him. I have a few money around here somewhere. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a Dan Locke for everybody who wants to know. Right. And also, also shout out to artbusiness.com who, who you put me on to. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, when I was like preaching like, like stuff, like usually from that blog. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man. At first I was kind of like artbusiness.com. That just, all right, whatever. But I started reading through it and it was good stuff. And I think after I came up here to to the Los Angeles, Long Beach area, I really started jumping into the sales, marketing, branding side of things and really started like, oh, okay, this is what 
it's like coming from the other side of it. This is what it's like coming from the, not the creative side, but the business and social side. And I didn't realize how necessary that was. And I didn't realize how lost I was. Mm. And I think I, I think I latched on to a lot of the branding because coming from video games, that's kind of what I understood best. Yeah, I really enjoyed your, your recent talks around branding because I'm still learning about that stuff myself. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's an interesting thing, you know, how you impress yourself on somebody else's mind and what they go away with. So I, like when I was back at Rockstar Games or even back at 3DO, I started hanging out with some of the marketing and sales people at the company. And I think that kind of gave me a, a respect for it. And then of course I met you guys and it just kind of kept building from there. But I, I don't, I started to realize that it, it's just this, I still don't totally understand it, but there's this looking at yourself from the outside, like how do people perceive your value? And stopping and needing to cultivate that perception is a part of the art in itself. And I got a lot of pushback from people where they're like, that's not art. And you know, all you, what you're working on isn't part of the art. And I'm like, guy, when someone's walking through an art fair and you're saying the art's going to speak for itself, yes, it does. But you could also be saying other things. Yeah. You know, there are things that may be misconstrued. And it was just like, it's, it's been such an uphill battle, like talking to people. And I was like, wow, this is really a, a yeah. large gulf, right? Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, if you're talking about branding, right, especially like you can't really control it, right? Because it's, it's what other people perceive. So like, you can do your best to influence it. So you know, and kind of, you know, push people in that direction that you want, but it's still at the end of the day, it's what they think, right? I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it was said in your in a previous podcast, but, you know, branding, it's like trying to read the label when you're inside the bottle. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I apply that to a lot of different things in life, but definitely with art, you know, so I even think of, it makes me think of, you know, when artists, they don't want to label their work. They just put untitled. I mean, right. it's fine, but it's like, you know, it's great. It's good to like, you want a hint, right? It, it gives people a hint into what it's about, yeah. you know, on top of it, you know, for archival purposes. But yeah, you, you, if, if you want to help people understand, right? Cause you're it's a visual communicator, right? Your art kind of speaks for itself in a way, but you know, if you really want, if you have more intention behind it. You know, you're, you're, you want to control the narrative a little bit to get your message across. I think, you know, branding's important. You're, you know, how it's being told, right? The, the medium of message. So. Uh, yeah. And, and it's missing the, the art by itself is missing the context of right. the artist and the situation. And I think that was one of the mental humps that I had to get over. Like when someone says they're buying, you know, Hey, I have a, you know, I have a Warhol or I have a, you know, Lichtenstein, Picasso or whatever. There's a whole story behind each of those artists that comes with the painting, you know, the, the, the period they were in, the things that they were going through, what led to it, et cetera, et cetera. The hands that that painting has passed through, et cetera. Yeah. 
And, you know, that when I, when I started understanding that, I was like, oh, this is like storytelling. This mm -hmm. is me putting an impression on somebody. So no matter what they, no matter what they take from it, there's still that extra context. And, you know, some people, I don't want to say need it, but some people push the brand more than others. And some, it gets more conceptual versus more physical, but you know, that's a whole other, other discussion there. So one thing I want to ask you about quickly, do you have any, actually, who are some well-branded artists that you know, that you can like call out? That would be a good example to give people. I think at NC Winners, mm -hmm. Catherine Brannick with her, who we're currently exhibiting here with her Someday Mouse character. Yeah. I'm not familiar with her. I'll have to look her up. Someday yeah. Mouse. Yeah. So it's a, this little mouse character named Someday Mouse. And it's uh, kind of drawn with, uh, what's a uh, stippling. Okay. Yeah. She even sell, we even sell a book here on how to draw someday mouse. So it's pretty fun. Oh, nice. So one thing with branding, I want to ask, do artists like need, and this, I used to hate this word, but now I kind of, kind of okay with it. Do artists need a gimmick? They need... A, U, a UDF, right? A, a unique differential factor, something okay. that sets apart. I'll say that because, I mean, if you're in a sea of a bunch of different artists, like, and you're all the same, it's not, it's not going to matter, right? So you need something to really stand out. It could be your, even if you look the same, if your art looks the same as someone else's, maybe your story is different. So whatever that is, you got to play it up. You know, so why social media is very important. It provides that context, you know, the BTS, the behind the scenes stuff, how they created. So that, that could be unique to you, even though the end result may be the same. I think there's, there's something that you can pull, you know, extract from your process or your, your, just your, your, your personal background and how you put things together that informs your work. Something that really makes you stand out because I mean, if you, who can, be a better you than you, right? Yeah. So, but yeah. It, it, it seems so hard to stand out like like now in in social media. You know, there's just so much, right? So, I mean, what what do you do to stand out? I think. Let me see. That's a good question. Well, uh, I don't know if there's an example of someone who could who could, who could use some branding, but it, I think it, you know that. It really depends on the person and how much they even want, care to, like, what is their intention with their art, right? Because that affects how, what kind of story you tell, you know, because I, I think of branding, especially as a, like a lens, right? And you want to put, you, so it's like creating this lens that that's unique to you and whatever you put through that lens, this filter, whatever comes out on the other side, that's kind of what I would say you want to put out there. And, you know, it. Maybe in the beginning, you're, it's just refining it. I mean, not refining, you kind of, you, you just want to get into the scene. And so you're, you know, a lot of times, uh, I'll, I'll use uh, like calligraphy as an example. There are a lot of artists who use that, uh, graffiti artists who use that style. And a lot of it looks the same, right? Mm -hmm. But then culturally, if you look into it, maybe you, like there's a local artist that goes by Ethos One, you know, his, his style is influenced by Filipino writing. So mm -hmm. call them Babayan. So, you know, those kind of things, when, when you tell your story and you, you, you know, you, t you tell that little bit that sets you apart, that's what people are going to tune into.
I think. I think so too. And I think that actually ties into the the name of the gallery, Thumbprint Gallery, a little bit, right? Because you are about an identity thumbprint. I don't know. Is that a reach? No, it was. Well, it's kind of funny. I kind of reverse engineer. Oh, well, so I like the idea of having a thumbprint as a logo. And whatever, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, this has to have some meaning. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, you know, it kind of sticks out. Leave the mark, and that's what artists should do. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of what I I gathered when I I was like, oh, thumbprint. Yeah, I did. So that's what sets you apart. You're unique, and this is just what I went off in my head. And it's one of those things I really didn't ask about until until later. I was like, hey, what's the thumbprint about? And you kind of stated that right there. Yeah, that's awesome. So a lot of artists, you know, you're working with art. And you're trying to balance fine art and what I call on the other end, like production art, where you're producing for maybe movies, games, you're doing logos, print mm -hmm. work, maybe sign work even. Do you suggest artists who are, I don't know, artists who are trying to be fine artists, do they need to just, how can they leverage their production art against what they're trying to do in the fine art world. I know some people are happy just kind of like, Hey, I'll, I'll do a fine art painting here and there, but I just kind of do that production arts, my job. And they're kind of fine with that balance, but somebody who wants to go full fine art, like what you... with production art, do you mean just graphic design? Basically graphic design, logo design, you know, if somebody asked them to do a sign for them, you know, going out on art sure. jobs or whatever. So. The way I try to distinguish the two is fine art versus graphic design. It's just the function of it, right? Because I feel, you know, art, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's not trying to sell you anything. And I think the, a big difference is graphic design. It's more, there's more a focused intent and it's trying to solve a problem from what I, I understand. Okay. Yeah. So, and so if you're trying to get into the more fine art, side of with with graphic design it's i guess it has to have that a little bit more ambiguity and tap into a more i guess have a deeper background or meaning to it because uh, to me graphic design is very you know surface level it's very you know it needs to get your attention it's the whole function of it is just different i think whereas art i think it's more emotional, it's more visceral. Okay, so if fine art had a function, if you will, you said you're not trying to sell anybody anything, like you're not trying to make an ad or anything like that, then what would a fine art's like intent be for people? I think it's, it doesn't have that. The intent is not really from the creator. It's more like, I, I look at it like, the, who, who, Whoever's viewing the word, they're going to get something out of it that maybe even didn't intend. Okay. If that makes yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally does. So, you know, like you, you know, a lot of times artists are like, oh, they just want to buy my art because it matches their couch. I'm like, yeah, that's probably all they see, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's a reflection of the viewer. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's always one that comes up because. You always run into an artist at some point and yeah. this happened, this happened to me as well, where I'm doing my thing and somebody comes up, Hey, listen, can you do a cat sitting on, you know, a, you know, sitting on a table 
and have it look like this, I think it's going to go great in my living room. And yeah. it just totally throws the artists out of whack because they're like, no, cats, I'm, I'm, I'm painting tanks and doing this. And why, why are they asking for cats? And what, what do you tell artists in that situation? Or how do you? Well, how badly the work, you know, it's one thing to, I guess, ask an artist to paint something very specific and then another to kind of almost change their style of doing it. So if like, say it was a cat or whatever, right? Yeah. So, if, but if I, I said, but do a cat in your style. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. You know, but I think, you know, it, it's kind of like with graphic designers when you, you know, it's like the client from hell is trying to just use you as their hands, but they're not appreciating, you know, tattoo artists are the same way. It's like, you're not appreciating their individual unique style. Right. You just, yeah, you want them to cater to your vision, but that isn't their style. So they're not really paying attention to that. But I mean, that's an opportunity for the artist to, you know, they could take a different route in the response and instead of maybe being offended or whatever, just educate the person. If they're still kind of pushing back, then it's kind of like, all right, never mind. Yeah. I had a situation with somebody out in near Riverside. What's the name of that area? Fontana. Um, guy was buying a piece in Fontana and he actually told me, he's like, Hey, I want it like this. I want it like that. And, you know, I drew it up and everything. We, you know, I told him what I was going to do with the collage I was going to use in the background. He was like, okay, that sounds great. And as I started into it, I'm, I'm like, I know the guy's house and I know the pictures. I'm like, oh man, this is going to look terrible. I need to change up the color scheme. And it was just the colors that I wanted to change up. Yeah. But I thought if I told him that he he bolt on the project and just be like, nah, nah, I don't know what you, you think you're doing and whatever. So I totally painted it in the colors that I wanted and drove it out there to him. And I was like, all right, let's see how this works out because I think it's really going to work, but I know he doesn't want these colors. He wants some other colors. He wanted like a red and white and he has a really muted place. And I was like, let me just go with some brown and orange and kind of match. Even the neighborhood is kind of muted, right? right. So. I brought him this painting and he was like, the first thing he said was, oh yeah, it's not what I asked for. And then he kind of stood with it for a minute and was just kind of like staring and I wasn't sure what he was feeling. Mm -hmm. And then his, his wife walks in and was like, oh, hey, Benjamin, how you doing? He's like, oh, that is lovely. Much better than I thought it would be. And he's looking at the painting like, oh. He likes okay. it. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Now he likes it because his wife's all <laughs> giddy about it. So that was like one of the times I just totally said, you know, screw that guy. I'm going to go with this. And it's pretty much worked so far, but yeah, I know that's, that can be a, a gamble. A, yeah. Yeah. yeah would, did he, did they pay you at all for like even the sketches or, you know, the concepts or. I kind of, I kind of do like really loose sketches and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking about. Here's the price I'm thinking about. And if they send something back or, or if, even if they don't, I'll contact them again. It's like, oh, you didn't like that? Or, well, how about, you know, and I just kind of go back and forth. I don't have a very strict set of guidelines. I just kind of deal with the person as they are and try to sell them on whatever energy or vibe I have going on. And it's okay. worked out so far. So nice. All right. Yeah. I, I do have a question though, with the, you're doing the art gallery thing and how is that? How do you make art galleries not boring now? And the reason I ask is because I was looking up and when I was 
when I was a kid, I thought they were boring. And then I kind of grew into them and understood the people, the connections, the stories behind the art, et cetera. But lately I've been seeing this like, you know, everything's an Instagram opportunity. The, there's like the museum of ice cream and all of these instant, all these things are happening and they're not really art. They're just kind of, Hey, take a picture in front of this. Cause it looks kind of weird and cool. And I haven't been around seeing a lot of people saying, Hey, I was at this gallery really doing this thing. And I don't know, I'm wondering what galleries are doing right now what thumbprints doing even to stand out for lack of better terms to, to get that uh, idea. I guess what we're doing a little bit differently is, I mean, it could, it could, it helps with drawing, uh, you know, more people in that do buy art is uh, we have, you know, like a music component to our receptions. Mm-hmm live music. So, and we, you know, we try to make it complement the artwork that's, that we currently exhibit, but yeah, like just creating new experiences. So, you know, when, whenever we have like a solo artist, especially, you know, I let them try to take over, like currently uh, Catherine Brannick, our featured solo artist, you know, I allowed her to paint directly on her wall, do like a little indoor mural. I allow them to uh, curate the music even, you know, outside of the live music that we have scheduled. It's, um, I always say, you know, attack all the senses and, you know, kind of create the, you know, create your own world within our space. So, right. yeah. Now, how, how important is the relationship that you're, cause you guys are running kind of a, a, a three-way relationship. It's the gallery, the, the artist, and then also the community or the, the patrons that come in to see the art. So you got this, uh, this, this triangle going on of like, Hey, we're presenting a, a certain style, you know, you're going to see this artist again. Maybe we've got some other artists coming up. So it's like a continually, a continuing relationship, right? Yeah. And it's, you were, there's like a lot of ebb and flow with it because, you know, it's, it's also affected by the surrounding events and just, just what the availability, I guess, of certain artists that could, that. You know, we try to fit our branding as a gallery, but you, you'll see, notice sometimes throughout the year, we'll take a chance on something different someone very different from what we usually show. So it's grown to be very diverse mm-hmm. uh, and a good thing. So, I mean, that even goes to how we brand our gallery because, you know, it, whenever we're working with, especially if it's a solo artist, you know, you have to kind of, it's like a co-branding. You know, trying to keep things adaptable that way. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, we, we get people from all walks of life that come through. So it keeps it very interesting, you know, as far as like galleries, you know, keeping things interesting, you know, because like a lot of people are just like, why go to a gallery when I could just see the work online, right? Right, right. Yeah, but there's some things you can't, you know, replicate online, like, the in-person interaction you get at a gallery, seeing the work up close, you know, the texture and things like that. It's just not the same. So I was just creating new, new experiences with the ever-changing flow of, you know, demographics. So. And how much have you played with any, any virtual or live art shows? I mean, live online art shows. How much have you played with any of the Anything like that? Not much. I mean, it, it's funny, like pre-pandemic, we even experimented with a virtual art show with a local artist named Tyro May. And, you know, we would release the work at a certain time online. I kind of got the idea, you know, paying attention to, 
you know, Eric Nakamura, uh, GR2, Giant Robot, he did something and I was like, oh, we should try that too. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't do it again. It just didn't seem to fit our business model, but we wanted to experiment. So we did mess with it a little bit. Have you heard of Whatnot? Whatnot? No. Yeah, Whatnot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, it's this new app called Whatnot, right? And it's basically a, a live auctioning app. So you go on there and you, you do a live stream and it's like, all right, guys, for the next, you know, hour or whatever, I'm going to be here live streaming. It's kind of like a QVC, okay. but everybody has it. You know, everybody has their own phone and it's like, you see like the little prices and comments flying up on the screen and it's like, oh, this guy just, you know, put in a bid for such and such. And, oh, this is crazy. Guys, you got to get this. And it started out with Pokemon cards and... <laughs> It grew to like other types of cards, magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, baseball cards, et cetera. And it started to get out and I noticed a few artists were getting on it. So I don't know if, I don't know what the scene out there is doing, but stuff like this has been popping up and I've been trying to keep up with it all, but there's just like so much, right? Oh yeah. It's overwhelming with what, what's being done. I mean, I come to think of it, I actually recall there's another local artist that kind of did like, you know, the game Doom. Yeah, so he did like a, a thing similar to Doom where it was, you know, his art is like a, a walkthrough gallery, virtual gallery. I, I can't recall if you could, how much you could interact with it, but you can walk through. And yeah, it, it was, it was like early, very early, like 2000s, I think. It, but yeah, that was, that was a new experience for me anyway. But yeah, there's so many different ways that people are experiencing art now. I can't keep going. But so, you know, but keeping it old school, you know, in a lot of ways, there are some things that are, you know, it's the whole tactile, very analog versions of things. It's, it's still effective. So. Yeah, it definitely is. I, uh, and you know what, now people are, I, I wasn't sure what was going to be the case after, you know, the major shutdown lockdown and that was going on across America, but, you know, just recently with events like Comic-Con and there was like a you know, sporting event, you know, up the way. And it's just like, the crowds are coming back out. They're like, ah, we want this. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, this is really coming right back. And at least that dedicated crowd is definitely coming back. But now you've got this added layer of it's coming back, but everybody's more connected now. So we can do a little more. We can try a little more funkiness with how we're selling, marketing, branding, and it's just, it's just been weird and fascinating to me. Oh yeah. I, uh, like, did you go to Comic-Con? No. I didn't go to Comic-Con this year, but yeah, I, di I didn't go this year. Yeah. I, I went like a couple of days and yeah, it is a lot to take in. So I don't know if it's just me getting older or whatever, but I was just like, oh, I was, I was getting burnt out. Just like visually, I'm like, it's a lot of, it's, it is a lot to take in. So, you know. When I, you know, have bring a space like this, it it just reminds me of like how much better focus I am and like a more minimalist aesthetic. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I did go to the special edition. Oh, right, in November. Yeah, yeah. I think that one was a little bit more my pace. <laughs> okay, some people called it like too silent and a little too peaceful, but nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw Omar on Monday when he showed up on the podcast and he was talking about how he went to, and he was like, he was like, oh my gosh, this is like, you know, one of the early comic cons where you could just walk around and, you know, 
leave your bag like four booths away and people will still see it, you know, and <laughs> like, hey, how's it going, man? And you can just yell across the, the way and people will wave back at you. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, I used to volunteer in uh, magic rooms, the tournament rooms. Oh, really? See, yeah. you just got all this random stuff that like <laughs> magic. Yeah. You know, I used to be, a, you know, I was a level four Yu-Gi-Oh judge. Oh, really? Yeah. And was like you volunteered to do that or is it something that you, you were there officially for? Or? No, I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh when I was in the Bay Area and I came down to San Diego and I found out that Upper Deck had offices down there. And I was like, oh, Upper Deck's got offices. Well, you know, when I found that out, I was like, well, maybe I can bring my old Yu-Gi-Oh cards out. And I actually found out about that because I was just hopping through office, uh, office parks. And at one of the breweries inside an office park, they were talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. And I'm like, why are they talking about Yu-Gi-Oh at a random San Diego brewery? And it's like, no, 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 Upper Deck's down the street. And I was like, oh, that changes everything. Oh, okay. So yeah, I just started playing. In, but uh, yeah, I didn't really mess with Yu-Gi-Oh! But uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's how I got into art a little bit because I would actually bring my cards to Comic-Con to get to meet the artists and have them sign my cards. You know, you thought, you, you know, you would think, oh, I'm the cool guy with all my cards signed by the artist. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. Nice. So getting into the, the arts, was this a path you kind of expected or did it just happen? Because you, you know, you, you're going the graffiti art, the street art kind of route for yourself. And you said you met up with Johnny, but was this, was this something you foresaw or was it just like random things happened and you just went with the flow? I just went with the flow. I think, you know, it was in college where I, you know, I learned about Shepherd Ferry. Mm -hmm. uh, that I was just like communication. Okay. And I was like playing guitar in a couple of punk bands and then, and then eventually I don't, I don't remember. The exact time I, I came across Shepard Ferry's work, but at some point I did and I got to meet him. And I think that's where it kind of like really gave me that boost. So I was like, oh, I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, from, uh, you know, him doing his street art, I was like, I was like putting on my posters too, stickers, stencil. And then we remember he opened up Studio One. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'll open the gallery, <laughs> you know? So yeah, he's a huge, he's a huge influence starting out him and David Cho, I would say, as far as like getting that drive to really put myself out there and taking chances. So, and it really was fast paced after that. Yeah. Yeah. So Shepard Ferry, he would have actually been in San Diego for a little bit while you were doing your thing, right? Cause he, he moved to LA at some point when he. Yeah. I feel like I just missed him because there was a gallery downtown, I think in voice 1156 that he, would, he did a show there with another artist, Mike Giant, who you probably heard of. Right. He's local now. And he did that Giant versus Giant show because the Obey Giant, Mike Giant. And then, but I missed that whole window. I mean, I looked back after, after reading Heavy Thumbprint for a while, and then I was like kind of researching like older galleries and. That was a that gallery that really, I would have loved to, uh, you know, attend their shows when it was around. Was that, you say downtown, the first thing I remember was a Shepherd Ferry installation down on 4th Street or something. I don't remember, but I just remember driving by and was like, holy shit, 
That's a Shepherd Fairy installation. Oh, was it just the original logo? Like the stencil face? It was the stencil face and it was all along the walls and it was around where the Adidas shop was. I can't remember. The only one I can remember that's still up, I think, is the one by the museum. Okay. Oh, this one, this one was uh, gone a long time ago, but um, okay. yeah, I remember it showed up and it just kind of like, holy crap, that's the guy. And I'd seen him, I'd seen his stuff in San Francisco as well. So that threw me back to that and that. All right. So, you know, I, I didn't know that about communication. You did went to communications thing. You did the, the gallery thing. Now you're doing this. One thing I like about what you've always done, you and Johnny, you're definitely always connected to the community, the I don't want to say art in the streets, but you're connected to the people out on the street level and you're still, you know, maintaining, you know, your, your high standards of art and artistic expression, et cetera. And now you're working with this health clinic, right? Yeah, this healthcare center. So, I mean, as far as my background with community, I mean, it all, it all happened like simultaneously. So when I was doing the whole graffiti street art thing, I was also volunteering with several things like our local Dylan Fest. Mm -hmm. Uh, a large Filipino American festival. I think the largest it's, they say it's the largest uh, inter intergenerational cultural festival in Southern California. So I was a program coordinator for that, our program coordinator. Yeah. And around that time, I was also in the mayor appointed position at the natural city public art committee. So I did that about four years. And so, you know, I was kind of like on that side of it, but still doing stuff in the streets, you know, and I, you know, doing the whole real marketing thing. So right. you know, I tasted that too. And yeah, so as far as working with the community until now, I'm still like helping out, especially the, the Filipino American community with, you know, helping them find artists to exhibit at the festivals and things like that. And so with the healthcare thing now, you know, it's, I made this transition because of, it's more fulfilling. It's fun, you know, with the whole t-shirt thing, but actually. I wanted to give back in a different way because that, that's still artistic, you know, it's still creative. And what's funny is like, you know, I was trying to stay away from the whole healthcare industry because, uh, you know, I'm a sister who was, who was an RN and my whole family is like in the medical field and uh, it kind of still found me through marketing. <laughs> so, well, isn't and, it? Yeah. But, isn't there always a, there's always some type of push to have an art presence in a lot of these hospitals and healthcare facilities? It, it doesn't always work out well, and it's not always, you know, very alluring from the, from the view, from the viewer's point of view. Right. But I've always, I, who was it? Jeff Coons. He decided he would do like a project for like the MRI machines and he paid them up and everything. And it was kind of, when you looked at it, it's like, you know, wh why are there all these monkey faces and, you know, dolphins in a, in the MRI that like, it looks, it looked corny, but when you saw the kids react to it. They were like, oh my gosh, here we are. I'm, you know, I can, I can relax a little bit. It's not so static of an environment. And when it's after I say what? Well, it's art therapy. Yeah. Is that a part of something you, you know, you may try, may bring to the healthcare community or at least that institution? Maybe, maybe somewhere down the line. Yeah. Right now, what's, what's crazy is that, so this, the healthcare organization that I'm working for, they're rebranding. So they got a new CEO and everything. So, you know, they wanted to bring me on real fast because it's a lot of work to be done. So I'm excited about it. And then hopefully, you know, I can get them to support some local art in their lobbies and things like that. So 
Yeah, I think that's always a, I don't know why there isn't more of it. And just naturally being in these institutions and as a part of art therapy. So when you hear art therapy, like what, what does that, what does that mean? I, well, I, I, depending on the person, what they, what, what they would need to, uh, feel, I guess, not depressed, you know, become, be more calm, it, it, you know, what problem are they trying to solve? You know, so I think it varies. And so it's hard to please everybody. Right. And that's what I've been doing community work, especially art in the community is that you can't please everybody. Yeah, because that's another thing I, I do with, you know, the utility box project, you know, you get complaints all the time. And I, I, I think that the same. What, what kind of complaints art. are we talking about? You see, with like oh. utility boxes. Oh, well, just like, just like one time we were painting a box and it, it wasn't even complete. It was just getting started. The, the neighbors were already complaining, like they didn't want any color. They wanted some bland surface. <laughs> just like... Well, com- mad that we're doing something new and getting attention with it. I don't, I'm not sure exactly. They were just driving by and just like hating on it. So, but you can't, you can't prove everybody. So I, I, I'm thinking that that's what's, uh, what the challenges with display art, especially like in a hospital setting, you know, who knows, maybe there might be something that could trigger a negative response. Uh, right, right. So things like that, it's, I, I'm still learning about it, but uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, when I, there was a hospital in New Orleans, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, New Orleans, you're, it's, it's one of those places where you're more likely to find random art just somewhere. And as I was walking through the halls, I noticed that, okay, we had these landscape artists over here, and then now we have people walking through a field. And I'm like, wait a minute. I started noticing all the art was changing up as I was going through the hospital. And I asked about it. And they didn't, a lot of the staff, I didn't have time to really research it. And the staff didn't really know too much. So I couldn't find out like who was curating it. But I was actually impressed. Like, wow, this is a a, 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 a pointed effort to be very low key, you know, not like disrupt anybody's, you know, physical or mental state or whatever. They're, it's very much trying to be low key, but still it's, obviously curated you know you have different floors and different areas with different types of art and i wanted i want to see more of that around i'm wondering why i just you got a guest oh yeah johnny just walked in if you want to say hi oh my god (laughs) yeah i didn't tell him i was gonna be here but (laughs) what's up johnny I, w- I was just chatting with him earlier, uh, like on, I was just chatting with him online before, uh, before we started this. So see it in person. <laughs> so. Yeah. So uh, what kind of events do you have coming up? Events? Well, let's see here. So we have, well, I'll try going to order here. So we have a floating reception for our current exhibition during the f- next first Fridays. What is that? So what's that tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, August 5th, 4 to 7. I'm happy to announce we were nominated for Best Art Gallery at San Diego Reader. We made top five. And so the voting begins on the 8th. If anybody would like to vote for us, that'd be nice. We have a group show coming up at the gallery here. It's called Storytellers 3. Opening reception is Saturday, August 13th from 5 to 10. And then we have that live music with that 730. 
Yeah. You see, as far as like community work, we're doing a like a art showcase at festival in Baldwell Park. It's uh, called Sorry Sorry, means a variety. Mm-hmm. So it's with everything over there. That's Sunday, August 14th. And then we have a pop-up show again at Bar Basic called Artist Annex. And it's my birthday, August 17th. We're going to move there from six to nine. Well, congratulations. Thanks. How many how many shows do you guys do like uh, a year or a month now? I mean, we have a show here at the gallery every month on the second Saturday, opening every second Saturday. The bar basic shows maybe once a month. All right. Yeah. So a pretty good schedule. Everybody understands and knows the the routine. And God, I love that. I kind of well, yeah. wish it back down to San Diego. And just artwork right here. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. Want to tell people about it? Am I supposed to tell people uh, we got we got you here, right? Well, I want to say that I, I don't know if you know about this, but like, was it two days ago? Oh, we had a guest, and she was like recording it and saying, "Oh, this would offend so many Filipino mothers." <laughs> oh man, I didn't mean to offend the Filipino mothers. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was just really funny. Yeah, yeah, putting it all together that was. That was one of the first time. That was one of the first times I did a collage background with only one image, because I was trying to get like, because it's actually kind of hard to get the images down flat if it's one, you know, just mm-hmm. one piece. Getting the smaller pieces is fine, but getting that one large piece on there, just right. And when I got it, I was like, "Thank you, Jesus." All right. Yeah. Yeah. Are we last? There's some stuff I wanted to ask you about. Oh, uh, let me throw in one question real quick, and then you can ask me. Guy uh, Logan, Logan acting at one no. Was there any certain piece in your history or whatever that you really connected with and moved you of my own, or uh, just in no, just in general, like a piece you ran into? Well, the piece, well, the piece that comes to mind is is my own. It was from a long time ago, and uh, I don't know why it, I'm thinking of it. Mm-hmm. But it was a piece I did. It's like an Im- a stencil piece of two angels holding hands, but they were one wing. Each person, each angel had one wing. And the whole mm-hmm. concept was, you know, we're all one wing angels and we have to hold one another in order to fly. It's kind of corny, but it stood out in my mind because I ended up selling that to a, a newly married couple. I like that. I like that. Yeah. cheesy no i mean you know whatever hits you hits you so cool thanks for that question logan you were going to ask me oh i was very curious to ask you about the and i mean it's a long time ago but the david cho experience oh my god that was that was insane that's why i want to hear (laughs) so so for those who don't know david cho some sometimes knows the facebook artist he did up a lot of the the wall art and consulted with Zuckerberg to do a lot of the Facebook art, got famous because of that, ended up doing a lot of illustrations for the video game industry, just just kept creating art. And he, he was always one of the artists I really liked and followed because he just kind of did whatever. Even when he did his multiple podcasts, you know, it was just like he was coming out with crazy new formats and just being free with his art. And I was like, man, I'm so like uptight a lot of times with a lot of my thoughts and how to get stuff out. And he's just going out there and doing it. So when he said he was doing this, you know, David Cho experience, the Cho matrix and all that, I was like, all right, I got to find a way to get in. And I'd run into him a couple of times before. So 
I sent in my application. He, he posted something on Reddit. I replied to it. We got into a little, you know, hey, man, what's up? It's like, hey, how come you're not putting the fun back in funeral? And he was looking for comments that would be interesting. And I sent him that one. And he was like, oh, yeah, OK, that's cool. You know, write that one down. And I was like, all right. Over time, he puts on this experience and says, hey, we're taking applications. And I'm like, how do you apply to go to an art show? What the hell is this? So I applied. I don't know if he remembered my name or I, I filled out my application correctly or whatever. But he called me back and was like, hey, we're going to be doing this thing. His assistants kept calling and they're like, you better answer the phone when the assistant calls. So I get a call and they ask me these weird questions, just like, so how do you paint a tree? And like, as violently as I would like, okay, thank you. Bye. And they would just hang up the phone and I'm like, okay. And wait for another call, like a couple of days later. Anyway, go to the, that's, I say that all to, to, to set up that this experience was just unexpected. So finally we get like the dates and everything. It's like, Hey, show up here at this random random building somewhere in LA. It's totally been, been cleaned out. It's an old office building, not using it for anything. We get there and they're like, all right, cell phones, pens, paper, empty your pockets, everything. Let us know about any medical conditions and all this. And I'm like, oh, this is serious. You know, they're taking out all these notes about us, our names and stuff. And they break us up. Right. Say what? You had to sign a waiver? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, signed a waiver. So we're all just kind of like, I don't know what's going on. I signed a waiver to get to an art show. And I'm standing out really? in, you know, with like a crew of, what was it, like 25 people out in front of this, you know, empty office building looking. It was very sketch, you know, it just kind of like looked weird. Then they opened up the doors and they let us in the lobby. They've sectioned us off into groups. So now we're in like groups of five and six, right? So they're like five groups of around five people each. And they just take us through this area. We go to different floors on each floor. Like one floor was like a, they were playing hard rock and there were like flashing lights all over the place. So you're walking through this empty cubicle farm, you know, and there are people like sitting in the cubicles, dancing and throwing confetti. And, you know, one guy was in the corner painting. You tried to talk to him. He's like, leave me the hell alone. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And then you hear like over the PA, you have five minutes to get to the elevator and you're like, oh, okay. And you go and in, into the elevator. There were a special guest that I didn't know. Like there was some Indian guru there that was on one of the floors who had like this really zoned out experience. And I didn't know who he was. Somebody was like, oh my gosh. That's guru such and such and such. And I'm like, seems like a chill dude. Never heard of him before. This is cool. We sat down with this guy and he starts talking about life. This weird experience of just going from floor to floor lasted for like a couple hours. And we're just going through different floors. We even went through the cafeteria and there was like a big jam session of music in the cafeteria. And at the end of it, we get to like the top floor and David's there. He's like, Hey, hope you guys like the experience, like the, the music we did with the, what was the name of the group? Monkey Hammer or something like that. And, uh, you know, we met all the guys from the podcast randomly and he's just talking to us like, Hey, so now you're going to go with me. We're going to view the art. And he takes us into a completely dark area, like a completely dark floor, no lights, except for, you know, like the little exit signs or whatever. So you can barely see anything. 
And he's just like, okay, tell me which way you want to go. And one girl was like, left? So he starts taking us to the left. And the guy's like taking out a flashlight, showing us art. And he's like, you better keep up, you know? And he's like showing us these little glimpses of art. So we can't see all the art. But mm. it's just like this, this huge body of work that he put out. And you had to go by, follow this guy with the flashlight or you just get left behind. We get to the end of this little walkabout. He's like, all right, that's your time. If you didn't see all the art, that's too bad. And, <laughs> and at the end of it, they're like, hey, you know, you can go sit down for a questionnaire. You know, there's some like milk and cookies over there. You can sit down and talk to the guys in front of the camera while you eat your milk and cookies, talk to them about the experience. And I'm kind of sitting there like, I just spent two and a half hours getting thrown into weird weirdness from David Cho's mind, right? <laughs> and I was like, how do you, was that an art show? Was that an experience? I don't know what it was. But then as I was leaving, you know, walking out of the building, there was like a guy in the corner talking to this older lady. He's like, he's like, yes, can you describe the piece again? She's like, well, it was the guy with the guns and he was, you know, falling down and shooting people. I really like that piece. And I'm thinking, this old lady's talking about the Punisher piece. Okay, I saw that one. She's trying to buy the Punisher piece. And it was just this wild experience. I And I'd never seen an art show like that where I don't even know what it was still. To uh, day. I, I regret backing out because I actually did try to sign up for it and I did get a call. But mm -hmm. it's like, I got cold feet. So I was like, oh no, especially when the, the whole waiver thing came up, I was like, probably not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it was it was legitimately weird, man. Yeah. There was a there was a portion where we went into a room and there were a couple of us and they started asking questions like David sat at a David sat at the head of the table and there were two people on the side of him. One, this enormous and obese person and other on the other side of him was this very skinny, frail, looking like they're about to die person. So of course, a David Cho setup, right? He's just sitting down with a piece of paper and he starts saying, there's someone in this room who was born in this city and da 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 And we're like, wait, what the hell? Because he's like spouting out random facts about us. And we're kind of looking around like, holy shit. And somebody is like, well, stuff, like really personal. It started to get really personal. Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't know what was written on this paper, like, but I, I believe somebody had been like working to go through all of our social media, maybe find out what they could about us. But we were in this room talking and, and David's like, so I also understand that one of you is, you know, an orphan and this happened to them and da, 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 da. And, you know, it's like, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to tell us who you are, but would you like to acknowledge yourself and one guy raised his hand and he's like yeah that's me and the two one of the like the obese guy started saying hey it's okay if you need a hug you can hug me and it was kind of this david cho weirdness like okay there's this you know enormous obese guy with these like flowing robes on you know am i gonna just go hug this guy and <laughs> and as this thing kept going on the questions got weirder and they were like hey listen that the, the guy who was the orphan ended up you know, bawling out tears. He's like, hey, the rest of you, you know, if there's nothing more that you want from this experience, you can go on such and such. I'm going to stay here with like these two. And I was like, 
All right. Well, uh, that's a little too, too intimate for me right there. You know, so I went on to like another, another room and left those guys there, but it was, there were so many rooms and so many little different areas and I'm sure floors that I didn't see because when we got out, the whole point of us was to discuss the experience. And we were like, Hey, did you see such and such? I was like, no, I didn't see anybody like that. Like, oh yeah, but we were in there with the guys with the guitars. It's like guys with the guitars, totally bonkers. Uh, you know, no photography or anything. So it, everything is based on your memory and your discussion with each other. Totally blew my mind. I don't even know what to think of it. Okay. Wow. I kind of had an idea, you know, just knowing who David Cho is, but wow, I, I just never knew because I didn't see anybody ever post what their experience was with that. He kind of, I don't want to say asked us not to, but he's like, this is a very personal experience. This is between you and the people who went there. And as I said, it's, it was just in general, kind of hard to explain because it happened so fast. There was so much stuff going on. At one point I was sitting on a, laying back on a, on a bed with three people and they were wheeling the bed through the floor while all these lights and stuff were getting thrown over the bed. So he was wow. like. He's like, stare at the ceiling and understand what you're seeing. And there's like graffiti on the ceiling and we're just being pushed along on a bed. And I'm like, it might be the trippiest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Brainwashed and you don't even know it. Not exactly. <laughs> you haven't signed it like an NDA. <laughs> no, no, no NDA, but you know, we, we kind of promised that we wouldn't like try to, I mean, he's put a lot of it out there himself in little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like if you've ever, any, if you've ever seen any of his weird videos with like people in masks running by or something like that, a lot of those elements showed up in, in person. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow. Cool. All right. The other thing I was going to ask you is that anything crazy in the LA art gallery scene? No, as I said, man, I've kind of been off the scene for a little bit as, as far as galleries go. We're really jumping headfirst into just the social media, podcasting, you know, getting around, talking to people about sales, marketing, branding, et cetera, et cetera. I haven't done as much as I really wanted to, but this is what I want to do at the very current moment. So, you know, I still rock with the, the stack of sketchbooks and I've got stuff coming out. So okay. having, yeah, I'm not thinking I rip like the, like think space, the what space think space. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I just saw that they, you know, they expanded, they got like a, two-story building now with the, like a terrace and everything. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, definitely new thing, you know, news that I, I know of that's kind of why I want to visit pretty soon. But other than that, yeah, I'm not really updated or anything else. So. Oh, well, you got to let me know when you visit, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, that's all, that's all I got for this one. Thank everybody. I think Logan was the only, only solid question we got from there. I think we pretty much hit everything man so tell us how people can find you on instagram thumbprint art gallery i mean because the thumbprint gallery got hacked so we had to you know restart that whole thing we're on facebook and our website thumbprintgallery.com all right and you say you got a show and a birthday coming up soon so congratulations on both of those paul it's been awesome one quick thing could you could you get a little zoom in on that painting there oh yeah yeah you want to say something about it or? Yeah, yeah, I kind of do. So this painting, 
this painting I did a while back, it's a, basically a picture of the Christ and a bunch of Tetris blocks filling up the screen. It was basically an effort to kind of say, you know, this is my feeling about putting together my spirituality. It's always this kind of puzzle, right? This, I don't want to say a struggle, but it's just something where I'm always trying to figure out and get right, get better at. And whether that's through proper religion or just spirituality in general. So that's where that came from. And uh, I forgot my exact, the exact title of it. So could you read that off? Yeah, fun memories of putting it all together. Right. I grew up in the church. That's right. So fond memories of putting it all together. Hey, thanks for that. Yeah. All right. So that is that one. We'll definitely have you and Johnny back on at some time, maybe together, maybe separately. I know Johnny's got some political stuff he wants to, to get out there. So I'm going to be taking, <laughs> say what? Bring up at NFTs again. That's always fun. Oh man. Not man. Doggone it, man. So many, so many bad actors in the NFT space ruined it. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't jump in full, full along with that, but. I still have hope for NFTs and, and everything they're doing. And uh, Johnny will, Johnny will argue with me about this later, but he's not, a, he's not convinced. <laughs> cool, man. So that's going to be it for this one. Paul, I definitely want to thank you. This is Mr. Benji's ADD experience live going through my Benjicon week where I just talk with a bunch of great minds and reconnect like I used to do in San Diego all the time around this period. And I'm on. I'm on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major podcast streams. So this is going to be here on Instagram for a little bit, but then I'm going to move it over to the other podcast streams. So if you want the, the replay or whatever, you have to catch it there. And I will be making clips out of this. So look out for those later. All right. Thank you again for having me. Absolutely, man. Peace. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit MrBenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.